thank you, uh, everyone, for the opportunity to share with you. My name's Robin Carter, one of the pastors here, and I've got the privilege of uh, sharing God's Word with you. I said it in the first service, and I think I'll say it again in this service in relation to finding a church home. Uh, some of you have heard me allude to this before, but I think it's timely to say it again. Rebecca and I, a couple of years ago, were looking for a, uh, to relocate and to find a home uh, that we could share together. And uh, in the course of doing that, there were three times we thought we had found the right home. Uh, and, but God, and in hindsight, I can see God's hand in it. The first property was a, blank, uh, was a, a vacant uh, block of land. And uh, because uh, it was an early uh, woman that was selling it, uh, the way God stopped us buying that was she passed away and the family took it off the market and in hindsight we are glad that happened. The second one we had a property at Bridgewater, we were convinced it was the right spot, we'd put in an offer, they didn't accept it, they were trying to talk us up to give, get more money out of us. During the week that we were negotiating we realised there was no northern sun and we, that's a pretty high priority for us to keep the house warm during winter. So we're glad, we pulled out of that one. Then the third one we were, we'd thought we'd found a place in Mount Barker and Rebecca actually had an experience during worship where she felt God confirmed that it was the right home for us. And then talking to family and listening to friends we realised that it wasn't actually the right place. And the place that God has given us where we are now, we just, it's in our minds twice as good as anything we looked at and nearly bought. So I just want to encourage you, as has been said this morning, God's got it. Uh, we know what God's doing and we'll just trust him uh, that he has something better than we ever dreamed of for us in the days ahead. It's great to um, be continuing our series in the tale of two uh, kingdoms. Uh, as we look at Daniel chapter 6 this morning and the story, very familiar story of uh, Daniel in the den of lions. And I wrestled with what to entitle my message and what to call it. I went through several permutations. My first one I got all excited about that I was really, I thought was really clever was holy disobedience because Daniel disobeyed the, uh, the king's edict not to pray uh, to the living God and then uh, it was he, yeah, holy disobedience or unholy obedience um, for when he uh, uh, did what he did and then I realised it was probably going to confuse people. So I've called it a, a living a life of uncompromising obedience or simply that title, uncompromising obedience to the living God. And one reason I've chosen that title, because as we look at this story this morning, what happened to Daniel, we'll see that his uncompromising obedience to God and his uncompromising worship of God led to not only uh, revival in the heart of the king, but also led to revival in the land. And one of the key things that I think for us individually, for us as a church, um, for our nation is to have uncompromising obedience uh, to uh, the living God. And so uh, we're looking this morning at the story of Daniel and the topic of uncompromising obedience. And it's, uh, um, it's one where I'd love to preach a sermon on how God delivered Daniel and that every time you obey God and there's consequences, may not be the loss of your life, but it could be putting your reputation on the line. I'd love to preach a sermon that every time you do that, God's going to deliver you. But if I, if I did, I'd be lying because only this last 12 months, I went to Open Doors website and 4,700 Christians who were uncompromising in their faith and obedience to God lost their lives in the last 12 months. 
God does deliver, God does do things, but we cannot uh, live no, thinking uh, that always, that when we live in uncompromising obedience, that we will have an experience like Daniel did. But the key message that I think God wants to bring to us this morning is that we must have uncompromising obedience to the living God. There's times where I've wondered uh, just what this means. I was um, visiting a family uh, uh, many years ago, not in this congregation, and uh, the mother had been trying to get the kids to do their chores and I heard her just say uh, one last time, I, I forget the kid's name, but they wanted, wanted uh, her to get on and get her chores done and the kid said, I can't do that mum, I'm reading my Bible and having my quiet time. So she used it as an excuse not, not to do uh, what, uh, what her mum was saying for her to do. I lost my licence hurrying to church one morning because there was people waiting and I thought I was late. As it turned out, I wasn't, which was very embarrassing and showed I should have trusted God. But was I doing the right thing to hurry to church? Worship was important and ended up uh, losing my licence. Not a good example of uncompromising obedience, I don't think. <laughs> but then in our current uh, situation with the pandemic, there's been all the conversation and media and government edicts about what we should do for our own health and safety. And particularly in America, some churches said we've been commanded to worship, we won't stop worshipping. Some even went as far as saying we're not going to wear masks, we're not going to social distance. The basic might as well be saying we're not going to love our neighbour and care for them and watch out for them. But they, in the name of obeying God, said they wouldn't do these things. And the question we need to work through what our response is when the government tells us to do things that seem at face value to be challenging things that God has called us to. We all know the story of Bonhoeffer who came to the point uh, of seeing the evil that Hitler was perpetrating, um, came to the point, he, he got involved, I think in a couple and the second one where he lost his life in attempts to assassinate Hitler. As a pastor, as someone, he felt that he was doing more good for his country by doing that. But there's all sorts of issues we could raise about uh, the issue of uncompromising obedience and where we draw the line between obeying God uh, rather than uh, obeying an edict of the government or obeying what an employer is uh, um, asking you to do or if uh, you're in a marriage where the husband thinks he can tell you what to do, he asks you to do something he thinks against uh, the commands of God, you could take it right down to all levels of relationship where you have to make a choice, will I obey God uh, rather than man? It seems very clear in Romans 13, 1 to 5, here's one passage that we read where it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So, when you look at that passage, Paul was commanding Christians to be subject and obedient to the government. It was a command um, that uh, was... To out of conscience, not out of duty or cussed duty, but out of conscience, you should obey the authority because the authority is instituted by God. But then in other places, and you think it all seems cut and dried, and you just you do what you're told to do, and you don't take any sense of responsibility for the consequences of uh, uh, what you, what you do. And if you're in Hitler's Germany, you would work in the gas chambers. You just do what you're told to do. But we find in the scriptures where it says to obey the government. Examples where people 
like Paul, when governments, when an employer, when someone you know is asking you to do something that's contrary to the commands of God, then you do disobey the government. In Acts 2, 29, the apostle the apostles were brought and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Uh, we, and the, they, the high priest said, We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching uh, and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And then Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. So first you've got a passage that makes it sound like you should always just do what the government says or the church authority or whoever it is. But we see here that Peter uh, just said we must obey God rather than human beings. They continued to preach the gospel. They ended up in prison. Many of the apostles are in prison and ultimately uh, many of them were martyred for their obedience uh, to God. It's a similar issue around, uh, and i just throw this in as an example of how uh, you can read passages about women in ministry and preaching and leading. There's some passages that are black and white, like that I read out about the government, that make it sound like it's very clear. But then you read in the scriptures how there were women prophesying and proclaiming God's word and calling people back uh, to, to obedience uh, to God. And they were praying in public. And, and uh, so there's, there's something where we've got to wrestle with what the scriptures are saying as we seek to hear uh, and know uh, what God's will and what is ultimately things that are a deal breaker where we obey God uh, rather than some human authority. But how do we uh, live a life of uncompromising obedience? And I think as we look at this story of Daniel and the lion's den, as we look at the circumstances surrounding it and how it unfolded, we'll see a combination of political intrigue, of civil disobedience, Daniel's steadfast faith and deliverance from an unjust and a gruesome uh, uh, punishment. It's also an inspiring uh, narrative of faith and heroism, um, a tale of moral and spiritual inspiration um, that provides insights concerning politics and spirituality, what we do in the face of what the government may say, what we do in the face of what even I will say church leaders may say. Sometimes you don't always just do what a pastor says if it's contrary to the will of God. You don't always do uh, what an employer says if it's contrary to the will of God. But how do you discern when that line is being crossed? And I want to say, uh, firstly, this morning that Daniel, who had survived in two administra pagan administrations and he was highly respected in both, was entering into a third administration under Darius, uh, who um, was the king. And, uh, and that's the context in which this story unfolds. And a couple of people I spoke to said, oh, I thought Daniel was a young man when, when he was thrown into the lion's den. But as he would have been about 80 years old, 70 or 80 years old, he, uh, he was at an age where you might have thought, well, what's it matter if I compromise a bit? I've lived my life, I've done my thing. And, but he was a man, even at that age, he continued to live in uncompromising uh, obedience uh, to God. And so this morning, what kind of person is the kind of person uh, who will have a kingdom impact? Because at the end of uh, this passage, we will see the amazing kingdom impact and the revival that took place uh, in, in throughout Babylon as a result of this one man's uncompromising obedience. But what kind of person, man, woman, child, has, uh, will have an incredible a kingdom impact in the church, 
in the community and even in the nation. And the first thing we see in Daniel as we look at this passage and we'll, we'll, process, we'll read the passage as we go through, Daniel had the right attitude to where God had placed him. He sought to excel in what he was doing and he did excel in what God had uh, uh, called what what God had uh, called him to do in the place that he had um, that he was working and the responsibilities that he had um, and rather than complain about his situation being in a pagan administration or whatever he just excelled at what he was called to do and it says in Daniel 6 1 to 3 it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps or governors to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them one of whom was Daniel the satraps or governors were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself, and here's the key thing, even in a pagan administration, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the governors by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. A godly man in a pagan administration living in a way and fulfilling his job uh, in a way that the, that the king wanted to put him, make him prime minister, if you like, over the whole kingdom. Daniel excelled and distinguished himself in his attitude to what he was doing and how he did what he did and in a way that he earned uh, the respect of the king of the whole of the Babylonian empire. He had an extraordinary spirit. And I want to challenge us as God's people in whatever workplace, whether, it's, whether you're a father or a mother or uh, whether you're an employer or an employee, a business owner, whether you're unemployed, whether you're a student, I don't care what context your life is unfolding at the moment, what's your attitude to what you're doing? Under God, doing everything to the glory of God. I've shorn sheep to the glory of God. I've worked in a factory for 12 months to the glory of God. I've managed an office and print shop, um, raising funds for evangelism throughout Australia for four years to the glory of God. I've sought to bring up my children to the glory of God. So how we do these, anything, any responsibility we have, we need to have that attitude of doing everything to the glory of God. Jesus had something to say about our attitude when people ask us to do things. He was talking to people who under a Roman uh, rule and a Roman soldier could ask you, you could be walking along the road and he might have all his uh, baggage, he might have his, uh, um, his uh, backpack or whatever it may be, he could say to you, I want you to carry this for the next mile. Legally, that was something that a Roman soldier could ask you at any point in time. And then Jesus says that when um, you are asked to do this, and he preempts it with some other things. He says, you have said uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you, this is a bit that I've alluded to, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Countercultural challenge living to honour and glorify God, that uh, living with uncompromising obedience, seeking God's glory in every context. A Roman oppressor could be asked you to do something. Do it with the right attitude and spirit. Nelson Mandela did that in prison. He was treated woefully, 
yet he showed respect for even his guards who treated him. And I won't say some of the things that, that they did. But he still respected them and uh, had the attitude of a right spirit and then he was raised to become the first uh, Prime Minister of the new uh, South Africa. But the, whole, the same attitude ply, applies to us as a whole community of faith. We need to seek to do things in a way that we will be like the early church in Acts 2 where it says as people were, 3,000 people in one day came to faith, people were being baptised in droves, they were meeting in homes and breaking bread and studying God's word and sharing things in common and caring and loving for one another and it says uh, that uh, they had, they were enjoying the favour of all the people. Uncompromising obedience to God and uh, they were respected by the wider community. That's why we try and do the right thing with our car parking. That's why we try and do the right thing uh, when the council says, no, you can't park there, so we'll try and work out. I was amazed last week, the car park, car park across the road looked empty between services because everybody was out here and round on the ring route. But we just want to excel and do the things that honour what we are asked to do that doesn't compromise the things that God has called us to do. Secondly, as we have um, uh, the right attitude, we need to have the right heart. A heart of integrity in everything that we do. Uncompromising obedience to God means living with integrity before others. It's something we see so often. uh, Every week or two you'll see it pop up in the papers. Some politician will have some mud dragged up about something they've done that destroys their reputation or it undermines their reputation. And Daniel was someone who was scrutinised. We read in Daniel uh, 6.4-9, at this, uh, meaning Daniel's promotion, the administrators and governors tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Not only was he ethically squeaky clean in everything that he had done but he was negligent in in fulfilling his duties in what his uh, responsibilities uh, uh, were and this is how we need to be the kind of people that no matter what people looked at in our past how we've responded to situations the things we've done the decisions we've made that there would be no dirt that could be found on us thankfully for the grace of God all of us have none of us are perfect but we need to be seeking to live in ways that, uh, that honour God in everything. Uh, about a month ago, I, I'm, I'm half-time with the church. Rebecca's retired. We've just got uh, my income now. I'm eligible for the pension. I turned 68 on, uh, on last, last Wednesday. We had all my family and Rebecca's family, which is 28 of us, over last night. Um, and uh, um, uh, in, that, in that context... Uh, of applying for the pension. Um, Legally, there's a way that pastors can declare their income that can mean that you you get a lot better benefit from the government. You've already had some tax benefit and I had to make an ethical decision. And it's easily done, nobody would ever know. I had to make an ethical decision about how and what I declare about the income that I get. I better get half the pension if if you're honest. And that's what we need to do in all areas of life no matter who we are in dealing with any authority in any situation we need to live with integrity so that no matter how deeply people comb through 
what you've done in your life, they will find nothing, as they did with Daniel, found nothing uh, against, against him. But thirdly, we need to have, if we're going to live with uncompromising uh, obedience to God, we need to have the right perspective. And part of having the right perspective is there will be some people who will respect and honour you for what you do, but realise there will be people who will oppose what you've done. Because uh, we read in Daniel, you'll see it in his life. Let's read, um, starting at verse 5. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis of charges against this man, uh, Daniel, unless uh, it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and governors went out as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, um, satraps, uh, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict. So they obviously joined forces against uh, Daniel. Um, enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. And Daniel's uh, integrity was that almost immediately um, um, they saw him disobeying uh, that decree. Daniel's integrity and promotion stirred up jealousy. Uh, it probably shone a light on and stopped uh, his ethical actions, meant that they probably lost corrupt income because he wouldn't let them do things that would have increased uh, their income in running the nation. Um, and so they got pretty angry about this. And one of the things is, and Jesus said thing, said, talked about how shining the light will stir up the darkness. Your right decisions will stir up those who are deep down knowing that they're doing the wrong thing. In uh, John 3, 19 to 21, <clears throat> uh, this is, Jesus said, This is a verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light or hates someone who does the right thing and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Whatever we do, we do as if it's unto the Lord. And then as we do that, it's going to stir up the powers of darkness. And we need to have a perspective where, yes, some people will respect you. For Daniel, he was promoted to prime minister. For others, they lost their place and their reputation uh, because they did the right thing and they weren't respected. So opposition is also something that we need uh, to uh, expect when we do things that are honouring to God and put him first. As we... Think about some of the laws that are being made in our own country. And I'm not going to tell you how to think and respond on these sort of issues. But it, uh, some people uh, um, with the gay conversion therapy in Victoria, um, some people feel that's an underhand, sneaky way to get Christians uh, criminalised. Um, other people uh, 
see it as a valid uh, protection against uh, what even Christians would consider as abusive treatment of people. Uh, same with the abortion law reform. Some see it as an evil conspiracy. Others see it as a genuine desire to care for a woman who has had an abortion. Uh, if, 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 but even if um, in, in doing that, we would say they're neglecting the rights of a child. I have no fear about loving gay people, about loving someone who ha- wants to have an abortion, about speaking the truth. I have no fear about that, about just being a godly person in those circumstances. And I think uh, we just need to be aware that no matter what, we, uh, uh, have a, we know that there will be opposition that will come our way. There will be situations where you will um, reap consequences for obeying what deep down you know is right uh, before God. But also, we need to have the right focus. Not only uh, the right attitude and the right heart, but also the right focus. We need to trust our lives. Our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust our hearts and our lives into the hands of the living God. And we see that uh, in Daniel. So even though it was only 30 days, he could have said, well, I'll skip my devotions for the next 30 days. I might end up in the lion's den if I don't pray to the living God and, and uh, do uh, what is on my heart as a person who loves the living God. Um, he decided that he would continue in his uh, expression of his love and uh, relationship with God. And it says in Daniel 6... Um, Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then those men went as a group and found Daniel praying. So obviously spying on him and watching him, trying to catch him out. Uh, Found him praying, asking God for help. And he obviously was seeking God's help because he knew his life was on the line. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, uh, should be, uh, would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And then the king said, Daniel who is one of the exiles, Uh, then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still uh, prays three times a day. And when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown uh, to save him. And then the men went out as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Daniel continued to do what expressed his relationship with God, even in the face of death. And we need to have that attitude that even as we do little things uncompromisingly because of our faith and relationship with God, we need to deep down in our hearts say to ourselves, No matter if I lose my reputation, no matter um, if ultimately it costs me my life, I am going to obey uh, the living God. I read a book two or three years ago. Uh, James Comey wrote it. He was the head of the FBI. Um, and it was entitled A Higher Loyalty. He's a man of faith. His wife was a man of faith, a woman of faith, sorry. Um, slip of the tongue there. But he. Uh, 
he was invited into the president to have a lunch with the president. He thought it was going to be a whole group of people. It ended up being just the president. And um, he was asked uh, to, as FBI uh, director, to turn a blind eye uh, to some things uh, that would just make the uh, current administration or the administration at the time more secure. But James Comey knew that the whole uh, pillars of democracy are founded on the separation of powers between the legislative, executive and the congressional or judicial branches. And the president usually has very little to do with the FBI director because it could look like he's compromising uh, or going to have to compromise if, because the FBI could and nobody is above the law. And James Comey uh, refused to give blind loyalty to a president. And as a result, he was suddenly the worst FBI director. He was fired. He lost his job um, and his conscience to fulfill his job, just like Daniel would have. He knew he couldn't compromise what the Constitution of the United States and, and what um, was required of him in his job. Uh, he did what was right in his job. He did what was right in his conscience before God. And in his case, um, he, uh, he trusted his... The outcome into God's hands and for him he, he lost his job and he was uh, vilified in, for, what, for what he did. But in our hearts we need to have that same uncompromising no matter what the outcome that we will always do what we know is right before God that honours him, that honours our responsibilities in whatever sphere of life God has put us and we need to, uh, not, as we do that we need to have uh, the, the right focus um, and tr as we trust our lives into God's hands. Daniel lived knowing his life was always preserved by God until the Lord had finished with him. Your life, uh, you are invincible until God has finished with you on this earth. You can know that your life is in God's hands and we need to live with that trust. In Daniel 6, 16 to 23, says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And then the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually uh, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. And then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn the king got up and hurried to the lion's den and when he came near the den he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel. He has shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den... No wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. An amazing story of God's hand of protection on someone who had uncompromising obedience uh, to the living God. He was doing it out of trust and faith in God, not cussed duty, not with a, a sense of, I don't really want to do this, I'm just doing what I feel I, I should have to do. He loved God. He knew that God was... Uh, the one who, he was a child of God, he knew that he was God's prophet, he knew that he would belong to the living God and he simply obeyed what he knew was right in, in the eyes of God. 
Daniel was protected. Others, as we read the scriptures, and as I said at the beginning, many who have uncompromising obedience are not necessarily always rescued. I've, I've sat with people who um, it's not so much a consequence of an action. Well, it's not in any way a consequence of an action. But uh, when someone's been dying of cancer, they, they've been a godly person and they've asked the question, why me? And uh, it's a question that we can ask. Um, but these things just happen to, to any, any person. And, uh, and, and at times God protects and heals. At other times people uh, go to be with their God. And so we need to be people who uh, have the right attitude as we uh, live in whatever sphere God has put us. We need to have the right heart and live with integrity uh, in whatever our responsibilities are, from the home to the workplace to the community to in government or local government or national government. We need to act with integrity and do what is right in the eyes of God and fulfil our responsibilities. And we need to realise that opposition is a possibility and often does come and have our focus and trust uh, in the God who we love, who loves us, that no matter what happens, our reputation and our lives are in his hands. And as we do this, and we finish with the focus, how as Daniel did this, in his case, his obedience led to a revival across the Babylonian Empire. Um, in Daniel 6, 24 to 28, it says at the king's command, um, we see that God dealt with the opposition. It says in verse 24 of chapter 6, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives, and I find this hard to read, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. One thing that is a psalm that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I don't think God wants us to celebrate um, when those who are opposed to us uh, suffer in some way or receive the Lord's uh, discipline. Um, we need to trust that uh, and not try and seek vengeance when someone has wronged us. We need to trust that God will sort them out, that he will ultimately, uh, justice will be done. I did mention in the first service, I even struggled with that song where we sing, hell lost another one. I'd rather sing, heaven gained another one. I'd rather sing about the celebrations in heaven that Jesus talked about when, 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 when someone uh, comes to faith and comes back to the Father, comes back into the arms of the Father. But let's not be people who celebrate uh, when at the demise of our enemies. But here's a revival that took place in the whole nation. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. This is the king speaking. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performed signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued uh, Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus of Persia. Revival, as we read that passage, we will see um, that in the nation, verse 25, when revival comes, there will be peace. 
reverence for God and his ways in verse 26. A focus on the eternal kingdom uh, will happen uh, in, across the nation and signs and wonders will be done uh, by God as his timing and his choosing for his glory, uh, for his purposes. Um, as we see in this case, Daniel was delivered from the lions and a revival took place across the nation. As we give uncompromising obedience to God, Jesus will be glorified, lives will be transformed, Darius's life was transformed, people throughout the nation suddenly were impacted by uh, the kingdom of God and uh, hope will be revealed as we give uncompromising obedience to God. As we look at Daniel's life and character that we've seen over the last, as we've looked at the last six chapters, he dared, Daniel uh, dared to be different. My daughters gave me for my birthday one year, a few years ago, it had a little sign that had a row of birds, one hanging upside down, then the final one up the right way, and it had a sign on it, dare to be different, and people were putting, I put it on my Facebook page, and, uh, <clears throat> and people were saying to my daughters, basically, don't give him any encouragement. They sort of thought that he didn't, that I didn't need any encouragement, not meaning that I was necessarily always different in a good way, but hopefully so. But Daniel dared to be different. Daniel knew where to get answers. He sought and looked to the wisdom of God. Daniel understood the power of thanksgiving and praise. It says in Daniel 2, when he was having to solve the king's vision, he went into God's presence and he praised the name of God uh, forever and ever um, for your wisdom and power. He, he goes on to say he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise. Daniel's just praising God for doing these things and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things uh, and he knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you and you have made known to us the dream of the king. So he knew uh, the um, power of thanksgiving and praise as he was seeking God's will uh, and God's direction. Daniel didn't forget his friends. Uh, he uh, promoted them and gave them opportunity. Daniel refused to compromise. And uh, along with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they gave uncompromising obedience. Daniel could interpret problems and find solutions. Daniel didn't allow the culture around him to erode his values. Uh, Daniel was the, a man of integrity and he trusted wholeheartedly in the living God. And so the call to us this morning is just as Daniel chose to live in uncompromising obedience to God, that we uh, would do the same. God delivered Daniel from the mouths of the lions. He vindicated him in the eyes of his enemies and God was glorified as a result. So if the band want to come, we're going to lead into communion that as we are called to live with uncompromising obedience to the living God who loves us, who has come in his grace to us, the communion uh, reminds us of Christ's incredible love where he gave uncompromising obedience to God which meant for him that he died on a cross. As we eat the bread and, um, and drink the cup this morning, I want you to just focus on the incredible grace and love of a holy God who comes to you and has come to you. And as you uh, reflect on the amazing love of God, as you feel ready, I want you to come and receive the communion. And just before we do that, I'm going to ask Angela, one of our elders, um, just to come and lead us in a prayer of thanks. After I've led us in a prayer of thanks for the bread, I'll ask Angela to lead us in a prayer of thanks for the cup that speaks of the, the broken body 
of our Lord Jesus and his shed blood for the, for the remission of our sins and to embrace us back into the arms of God. Father, we thank you that your body was broken, that you gave of yourself in uncompromising obedience, that we might know your love, we might see your love, we might be cleansed of all our sin and that we might live holy and obedient lives in obedience to you. And I pray, Father, that as we take the bread in a moment, that you will, we will be reminded of your incredible, uncompromising love for us, even to the point of giving you a life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, may we just pause right now. And as we get that cup in our hand, may we just stop and reflect. And Lord, after hearing Robin's words this morning, Lord, if there is any challenge that you need to speak to us about around our obedience to you, to the laws of our land, to whatever it might be, Lord, that you will just speak to us in this time when we pause, when we stop. But also, Lord, the time of drinking is filling. And I pray, Lord, that as we drink the cup this morning, that you will meet whatever needs each person has and that we will be filled with your presence, with your love, with your peace in a way that is just truly from you. We thank you that we can stop and pause and reflect and spend this special time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Angela. So I just invite you to spend a moment just reflecting on the incredible grace and love of God to you, the one who went to the cross in obedience to God, that you too will just in response to his love, not as a cussed duty, but in response to his grace and love, you will determine in your heart, if this God has done this for me, then I too will live with uncompromising obedience to him. And just as you feel ready and as you feel a sense of God's grace and love, just feel ready to uh, just take the bread and cup for those uh, who might need gluten-free. Uh, it's in the back left-hand corner here, of the, my left-hand corner, your right-hand corner at the back uh, if you need that. So pause, reflect on God's grace and take the bread and cup this morning as you determine to live in uncompromising obedience to the living God. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.